1973, the Arabs launched all-out war again, this time on Yom Kippur. Israel survived and gained territory. In 1979, Israel gave the Sinai back to Egypt in return for peace. Faith and Failures podcast. We got one more video. So this, this is straight from Ben Shapiro's YouTube channel. You can go check him on his Twitter, YouTube, and whatever that other live streaming thing is. I don't remember. Sorry. So we're going to look at this video. And uh, he directly, and this is what I like about him, he directly comes at things and says, you have been lied to. That's, I mean, that's the, uh, the, the whole premise of his video. The things that we have been seeing on our screens from Hamas are atrocities, obviously. But the media have said that these atrocities, they're really missing context. The context that they are providing, well, that context is a bunch of lies. There are four myths generally propagated by the left around the history of Israel and the Palestinians. These myths matter because they lead people into a peculiar moral relativism whereby attempted murder or successful murder of Jews is excused, and meanwhile, the evil human rights violations of the Palestinians are minimized. Myth number one, Israel is historically Muslim territory. This is a pure and absolute lie. Israel is historically Jewish territory. According to the Bible and certain interpretations of contemporaneous archeology, span Joshua entered the land of Israel in 1400 BC, the Kingdom of David was founded around 1000 BC. The first Temple of Solomon was built in approximately 957 BC. The second temple was built in approximately 515 BC. The Hasmonean Dynasty was founded in 166 BC. Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 BC, and the Jews exiled from Israel in 136 CE after the defeat of the Bar Kokhba Revolt. The Romans, in an attempt to shame the Jews, renamed the area Palestine as an insult after the Jews' historic enemy, the Philistines. Even during Okay, so you remember this this is the picture right here, the story of David and Goliath. Now, what was Goliath? He was a Philistine, okay? So the the word actually, in the original language, it is kind of, it ends up becoming Palestine, Palestine, however you want to, I'm from, (laughs) it's funny because where I went to high school, uh, it is spelled exactly the same, but if you're from Palestine here in Texas, you say Palestine. Palestine is over the Middle East. During the exile, there was continuous Jewish presence in the land. Islam, which is the religion of the Palestinian Arabs, was not even founded until the 7th century CE or AD. No independent Arab state has ever existed in the area known as Palestine. Myth number two, Israel is the cause of the failure of land partition in the Middle East. This is, again, a pure lie. In 1917, the British promised the Jews the entire area of Palestine. At the time, Israel and... So if anybody ever tries to tell you any nonsense about the conflict or why it's going on and that it used to belong to the Palestinians and they're just, uh, they are protecting or trying to retrieve back their land, share this video with them because this is actual historical facts. Ben Shapiro does his work. He actually has a team of people that make sure that he always puts out right information and people need to know that this is actually the truth about what it's even over. Like it didn't belong to the Palestinians. It is historically Israel territory. And Transjordan, which is today's Jordan. In 1920, the Arabs began pogroms, a mass murder of Jews in Jerusalem as a sign of anger at the British mandate in Palestine. In 1922, the British government in response announced in a white paper that the Transjordan area, 70% of Palestine would be sliced off and made an Arab state. That would become Jordan. 
1937, the Peel Commission recommended a rump state for the Jews, in which the British would retain control over Jaffa and Jerusalem, the Arabs would get the entire Negev and nearly the entirety of Judea and Samaria, and the Jews would get a tiny swath of territory along the coast, including Tel Aviv and Haifa. In 1939, the British, in response again to Arab pressure, restricted Jewish immigration to Palestine just as the Nazis began World War II and just before the Holocaust. Nonetheless, the Jews sided with the Brits, the Arabs sided with Hitler. In 1948, the British mandate ended and Israel declared its independence. David Ben-Gurion read the proclamation of independence to 13 other members of the Israel Provisional National Council. Israel had taken its place among the nations of the world. In 1964, with the Arabs still in full control of the Gaza Strip and West Bank, the Palestine Liberation Organization was founded, calling for the destruction of Israel. Here is a contemporaneous British report on the first chairman of the Palestine Liberation Organization. One of the most extreme anti-Israeli politicians in the Arab world, Ahmed El Shuker, the leader of the Palestine Liberation Organization. As the spokesman for one million Palestine refugees, he's fanned the flames of hatred for Israel with unflagging energy. In 1967, the Arab League announced the three no's. No peace, no recognition, no negotiations. With all of Israel's enemies mobilizing against it, Israel launched a preemptive strike on the Egyptian Air Force, inaugurating the 1967 Six-Day War. This ended with Israel gaining miraculously the Sinai Desert, the Golan Heights, the Gaza Strip, Judea and Samaria, now known as the West Bank, as well as the entirety of Jerusalem. In 1973, the Arabs launched all-out war again, this time on Yom Kippur. Israel survived and gained territory. In 1979, Israel gave the Sinai back to Egypt in return for peace. In 1993, Israel agreed to the Oslo Accords, which promised a step-by-step process to establish a Palestinian state. In 1998, Israel conceded yet more territory to the Palestinian Authority under the prime ministership of Benjamin Netanyahu. In 2000, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak offered Yasser Arafat, the terrorist leader of the Palestinian Authority, 91% control over the West Bank in contiguous territory and an Israeli security presence along 15% of the border with Jordan. Arafat walked away from the table and began the Second Intifada, a massive terror wave that ended with the death of thousands of Jews. In 2005, Israel unilaterally withdrew from the Gaza Strip. Hamas immediately took it over and began using it as a base for terrorist activity. That continues until this day. In 2008, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Olmert offered even more than Barak in President of Palestinian Prime Minister of Israel. So they are shaking hands in terms of territory, with some land swaps to maintain Jewish populated areas in exchange for some Israeli territory. Olmert even offered to relinquish Israeli sovereignty at the Temple Mount, the holiest site in Judaism, as well as the entire old city of Jerusalem to a five-member non-sovereign international trusteeship comprising Israel, the PA, Jordan, the U.S., and Saudi Arabia. PA head Mahmoud Abbas walked away without a counteroffer. So for someone to say that there's not been any sort of negotiation from Israel at all, looks like there's been quite a bit. Myth number three. Israel expelled all Palestinian Arabs from British Mandate Palestine. This is, again, a lie. Israel's founding documents asked Arabs to stay. Israel's Declaration of Independence in the middle of an ongoing war with Arab nations reads, quote, We appeal, in the very midst of the onslaught launched against us now for months, to the Arab inhabitants of the state of Israel to preserve peace and participate in the upbuilding of the state on the basis of full and equal citizenship and due representation in all its provisional and permanent institutions. Debate has raged for decades over how many Arabs left the nascent state of Israel thanks to expulsion and how many left because they were told to leave by their own leaders. An estimated 250,000 to 300,000 refugees left before their homes were even in a war zone. We didn't compel them to leave. They left on their own will, or rather on the will of Arab leaders, who advised them 
even before trouble started. The collapse of Arab society during the 1947-48 war, leaving many Arabs without a means of support, has been well documented. Israel will do everything in its power to help the resettlement of these refugees by paying compensation and by other... Hundreds of thousands of these refugees ended up in the West Bank and Gaza, which remained Arab territory until 1967. Furthermore, Arab nations refused to take in hundreds of thousands of Arabs, turning their co-religionists into refugees who have maintained that status for literally decades, a situation unparalleled in human history. Fully 62% of such refugees live outside the West Bank and Gaza Strip, according to the UNRWA. Meanwhile, Israel, tiny Israel, took in over 800,000 Jews expelled from Arab land between 1948 and 1951 and never asked for land to be returned to those Jews. Myth number four, Israel is an apartheid state. Israel is most certainly not an apartheid state. Arab citizens of Israel have the same rights as Jewish citizens. 20% of all citizens of Israel are Arab. The vast majority of Palestinians live under Palestinian rule in the West Bank. All Arabs in the Gaza Strip lived under Hamas rule. Israel's population, again, is 20% Arab. Arab parties have sat in the Israeli government, and Arab sits on Israel's Supreme Court. There are zero Jews living under Palestinian rule. The only apartheid state is any state of Palestine. So it seems to be very one-sided, according to this research and stats, that Israel is willing to open up their place to Arabs, Palestinians, whatever you want to call them. But the same is not extended to Israelites in the Palestinian regions. All of these myths have consequences. All of these... And it's really sad. Because, like, there, there could, if, if it wasn't ran by Hamas, they could actually have some serious peace in the land. But if you believe what the Bible says about the end times and all the things, like, the Israelites are is God's chosen people. Like, from Abraham down, he chose Abraham, he chose the Israelites. And it's, they are ground zero from, for God coming back for all these things begin to take place. These lies have consequences. They lead to a pseudo-sophisticated context that allows for the murder of Jews. It allows people in the West to believe that the grievances that are openly articulated by the Palestinian Authority, Islamic Jihad, and Hamas are actually about territory. Hamas openly calls for the murder of every Jew in the region. The Palestinian Authority gives actual bounties to the families of terrorists. Islamic Jihad has the same exact goals as Hamas. When evil people say they want to wipe Jews off the face of the earth, we ought to listen, not make up silly excuses as to why they don't actually mean what they say. The consequences of buying your own lies, not even their lies, your own lies, is dead Jews. The world has witnessed the heinous attack by Hamas terrorists against innocent Israeli citizens. This massive and devastating attack killed over a thousand Israeli men, women, children, babies. Thousands more were injured, kidnapped, held hostage. This sworn enemy of Israel will stop at nothing to slaughter every single Jew and claim Israel as their own. But there is a beacon of hope amidst the chaos. The International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is on the ground right now, providing critical essentials like food, medicine, and other emergency supplies. So if you want to be have a part of this, I mean, I, I didn't even know it was going to wrap up with this, the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, which is kind of cool. I mean, uh, it's a way of making a difference from a distance because we all, we can't quit our jobs, we can't go, we can't do, we can't be on the ground ourselves. Matter of fact, it would be very, very difficult and probably very, not probably, be very dangerous for us to do something like that. So what do you guys think? I mean, what's your honest opinion about it? I mean, obviously, if you believe anything with the Bible, you have to know that Israel, is, it, they're God's people. 
uh, whether some of them believe about Jesus or they don't. I mean, they are the child. They are called the children of God. They are the Israelites. They are the Jews. They are the people who. I mean, they were the promise of God's His multiplication. I guess you would say on the earth to where. Uh, he did great things, signs and wonders through these people. He promised them, promised Abraham from the beginning that they would be like the the sands of the sea. But I mean, just to kind of wrap it up on both sides, there there's a lot of people that are hurting and a lot of people that are dying because of hatred, because of difference in whether you sum it up as difference of religion or difference of uh, beliefs or difference of nationality, whatever, or if you think it's over land, it really doesn't matter. The facts remain that there are people, innocent people on both sides that are dying. And I think sometimes when, especially things like this are going on in the world, we oftentimes will pick a side and pray for that side. But I really think as if you believe in God and you are a Christian, that you should be praying for both sides because both sides are losing people. Both sides are losing innocent. There's innocent blood spilt on the land of those countries. Like actual people that are dying, sons, daughters. Like I can't even imagine if my son or my daughter, if they got caught in the crossfire, if they got bombed, if they were at school and a school got bombed because of the world or because of the war. And I just, I can't even imagine, I can't even wrap my head around that. It would be so hard for me to live my life with such terrible things happening all around me. So for both countries, even though they're butted up against each other, uh, we have to pray for both. We have to take everything that you hear and reported on both sides with a grain of salt because people are going to push their own agenda one way or the other. Whatever side they end up resting on, they're going to push an agenda. We just have to be bearers of light. We have to be people that are willing to, to speak truth and shine the light of Christ, even in dark times. And we are too, even though it's a terrible thing, we are called to love our enemies. Like that is what the Word of God tells us to do, that we are to love our enemies, whatever that looks like. So leave a comment below what your opinion on was, and, and share this video with somebody. Uh, we're going to break down these videos and post them later in uh, in different little sections as we went through today. But make sure to like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the Facebook page, and also join the group. Look up, if you're looking for a group, to where you can ask questions. Uh, you can really get some answers on some things. If you ever have a video, you have a question, a biblical question, uh, feel free to send it at faithandfailures at gmail or comment on any video. Or if you want to do it privately, you can reach out to uh, my Instagram page or my Facebook page, and I'll get back with you as soon as I can. God bless y'all. Continue to pray for Israel and pray for the people in Palestine. Both sides, there, there's in war, there's no winners. There's only some, there's only sides that lose less people. And so just pray for both sides. Pray that God will have his way. And I believe with all of my heart, COVID was one of the first steps. That was a worldwide step in a direction of a one world order, a one world currency that will lead us to the mark of the beast. I know it sounds crazy, some of y'all that don't understand the Bible, but go read your Bible and you will see that things like this will begin to happen and are happening and have happened for years and will begin to escalate over and over and over again. 
because this is what has to happen before the Lord comes back. So be bold in your faith. I would rather someone get upset with me of being a little too bold with my faith and what I believe out of love for them because the end is coming and every person will be held accountable for what they've done, for how they've lived. They will be held accountable for whether they accepted Jesus or whether they didn't. And no one will be standing with them at the judgment seat of Christ. It will be only themselves and they will either be told, welcome in, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. The sad thing is, so many people going to churches right now will end up being a part of the group that does not get accepted into heaven because they had nothing to do with Christ in their life. They just came to a church. And it's a, I guarantee you it's going to be a lot of people in the Bible Belt to where they go to church, but they have no relationship with Christ. Very, very soon, the Lord is going to return. And very, very soon, we're all going to have to stand before the Lord in judgment. I hope that puts a little bit of fear of the Lord in you to if you are not living right, that you begin to live right, you begin to seek after God, you begin to chase after God with all of your heart finally. I remember the, the time that I really began to chase after God with all of my heart. It changed my life, and I haven't looked back. So I love you. I'm praying for you, and I hope you all have a great rest of your weekend. Faith and Failures Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It would mean a great deal to me if you download, share, and subscribe so you can be notified every time I put out a new episode. Once again, thank you and see you next time on Faith and Failures.